Le seul podcast sur le PSG en anglais. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of PSG Talking. Happy New Year. Hopefully, everyone brought in the New Year with family and friends. I know some of you are going to listen to this and be like, Ty, it's damn near February. I get it. I get it. <laughs> this is my personal first episode of the year. This is my first time opportunity sitting down with the boys. So you're just going to have to deal with it um, and give me a pass. And if you don't, it's too bad. Keep listening. But in all, in all seriousness, man, hope you guys are all doing well. Hopefully the holidays treated everyone well. You know, we're still in this pandemic, so health and safety above all. And, you know, no James today. So the uh, the Trident is missing one. Fortunately, he is in the, in the process of doing some adulting. He's in the process of moving, but we move regardless. Um, but I am here with my boy, John, today. What's up, man? Happy, uh, happy New Year. Hope all is well. Happy Nay Day. You know, hopefully, you know, you're like me and you got a chance to uh, to watch the, the documentary and enjoy greatness. You know? <laughs> All right, man, listen. Stuff to talk about. Stuff to talk about. So. Happy New Year, bro. Nah, that, I'm glad to be back. Glad to be back. You know, unfortunately, uh, I got JC ain't here right now, but. He'll be back with us soon, and uh, yeah, glad to see you, man, and, and talk to you. Happy New Year! It's been a it's been a uh, a fast start to 2022, and been running around busy. So glad we get to slow down a little bit and chop it up about some football. So yeah, man, excited uh, to chop it up with you about the Neymar doc and everything going on with PSG. So it's always something going on. Yeah, for sure. And we're we're gonna hold the fort down to uh, hold the fort down for James today, and he'll be back next week. He already informed us. So, um, yes, but yeah, let's go ahead and, and jump right in, man. I think you know there is one place to start, and it's the the Neymar documentary, man. The the partnership with um, Uninterrupted, with Bronze Studios, Maverick Carter, um, and you know the. Just the whole story, man. I mean, I, re- I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm sure that there's going to be some um, mixed opinions. There are going to be people on the fence. But it was nice, you know, to actually see into Neymar's life, to see, you know, what he's been through. A lot of things that I knew. But just to hear from him and hear his dad and see that relationship on top of a lot of other things was which is really enjoyable for me. You know, Neymar is one of my favorite players. So whenever you get a chance to really dive deep, right, and kind of peel back the curtain a little bit on one of your favorite athletes, it's always appreciated. I think you get a documentary like this, The Last Dance, and, you know, tons of others that I'm, you know, not even mentioning right now. The list goes on and on. But what were your initial thoughts, man? I know we spoke about it briefly. I had a chance to watch it opening the first day it dropped. I actually woke up for the gym super early, um, and I actually woke up at, like, 6 a.m. and turned it on. Uh, I had to watch on the big screen also. So my girlfriend was sleeping and I had to connect my headphones via Bluetooth to the TV. That way I could watch it on the big screen and sit back on the couch while I, you know, kind of drank my, uh, my morning tea before my workout and stuff like that. And so it was enjoyable, but what were your takeaways? Yeah, man, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a fascinating um, documentary just from a storytelling standpoint 
of of where Nay is uh, in his career, um, and just just gauging from what what his take was in terms of how why he wanted to do it. You know, obviously, I think it's pretty transparent why he wanted to do it because the narrative of Neymar, if you're not a PSG fan or if you're not a Neymar fan, you probably have attained perspective or narrative of Ney in terms of how he carries himself on and off the pitch. Uh, but I thought that just it was it was it's a lot to unpack as a PSG fan because it talks about a lot of things from the dynamic of the locker room in terms of uh, how he felt with with certain players and how he felt about the the club itself and the relationship with with the board and and how you know like the rematada and how traumatizing that was to see again and and from his perspective being that he he was part of the one of the architects the architect for for that for that match and just listening to it from his perspective was was interesting and I, and I told you this in the chat where it was like that that match is still traumatic today and it's still stung watching it but for the first time I was able to to watch those clips and almost appreciate what Barcelona actually did or what Neymar actually did, right? Like just coming back from a 4-0 deficit in the Champions League and what they were asked, what they were able to actually do was fascinating from a skill level and just a character and willing to win. And But at the same time, it's traumatizing because you're a PSG fan and you know what that other side is and you know what that other thing is. And then as you mentioned, like the refereeing and how, how much bullshit those calls were. Uh, so just just a lot of it was was very was very much interesting to watch. And like you said, it's some of the stuff we know. Like we know Neymar is a great guy, like just as a human being, he's a good dude. But, you know, there's some things that he does on the pitch that turn some people off. But if you're a true football fan, you're going to love this documentary. You're going to love watching the story of how how the Barcelona transfer almost happened and how, you know, things almost fell out and where he wanted to leave PSG. And, and just watching the man that we enjoy to watch play football, sort of understand him from a human aspect and seeing his relationship with with his father and his son and so it, it it was very fascinating. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I stayed up like super late to watch it, and I probably paid for. I did. I definitely definitely paid for it the next morning, but uh, it was definitely worth the watching, and, and totally a lot to unpack for real. Yeah, definitely. And I think I wrote down some notes, and I think the title itself, right, um, which was look, I'm forgetting off the top of my head. I know it's chaos, right? But what was the um, the perfect chaos, right? The perfect and I think that chaos. That, yeah. Yeah, that really, you know, kind of describes Neymar as a whole, right? And I think some of the key parts that I took away, you know, outside of the stuff that we, whether you knew or didn't know, but right, like his trial for Real Madrid and the fact that he got the offer, but, you know, he was homesick and he was young and he just wasn't ready. But the fact that they mentioned how good he was, right, he was better than everybody else and it was night and day. You know, I don't care what anyone says, you know, and you saw all the other stars, right, from Beckham to Messi to Luis Suarez. If you, in my eyes, and this is a personal opinion, right, and and there are some PSG fans that are like this, there are other fans. If you don't like Neymar as a football player, to me, you don't appreciate the game of football or at least don't look at the game of football in the same lens or out of the same lens that I do. Right. Um, Some of my favorite players, Neymar. Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, right? That that Samba style, that Brazilian style. 
for some people that's not appreciated, right? They just want you to run. They just mm-hmm. want you to tackle. They want you to be brute force and they don't appreciate the entertainment of the game. So for me, this just reinforced how good of a player when he is fully healthy, when he is in form, how good of a player Neymar is. Yeah. Um, reliving the, the, you know, back injury against Colombia, um, you know, being knocked out, you know, of the world cup and then seeing his, his, uh, team, you know, Brazil kind of destroyed and dismantled in a sense, right. You know, in their home nation and, and what that did for that country, um, the feeling you definitely got to relive that. One of the key things was his relationship with his dad and how it yeah. changed throughout his uh, career. You know, yeah. that was, that was deep. And, and one of the things that he said that, that really hit home. And when I was watching, I was like, Dan, that was, that was Steve is when he mentioned that, you know, him and his father used to be close, but you know, as his career has continued and his father has really managed his career, they're really distant and their relationship yeah. isn't the same because his father has maintained and kind of had to, for better or for worse, and, you know, partially, not partially, but fully because of who Neymar is, right? Because of being the football player, but wanting to be the partier and stuff off the pitch, his dad running his foundation has really had to be that disciplinarian in a sense, right? And he, exactly. you know, he said in one sense, you know, I don't like you with me because I don't like the way you speak to people. I don't like how you want to start arguments with my friends, with my teammates, with my people in my circle and stuff like that. So, and he blatantly said like, you know, we're, we're very distant. The relationship we used to have isn't, isn't there anymore. You know, that mm-hmm. father son now it's more, it's more business, you know, business, it's, it's yeah. a manager and a, and a, and a player, right. And an employee, yeah. you know, who you're consulting for rather than that. Um, another yeah. one that was very interesting and, and I think you kind of touched on it in the, the locker room dynamic is when, you know, he first started talking about the move to PSG and him, not only him, but him and Tiago Silva made yeah. comments about jealousy in the locker room and certain folks in the team who weren't happy that he was there and, and didn't like, you know, the way he handled himself. And ironically enough, the the documentary continued to show clips of who else? <laughs> Eddie, right? Exactly. It continued to show clips of Cavani. So exactly. it reaffirmed what we all knew already, right? That there was tension there, that they they didn't like each other. But we all know, right? There, you don't need to be best friends in order for a team to work. Sometimes having that, you know, edge in a team um, is yeah. good. And then also the perfect chaos talking about how he thrives in those moments, right? Like he really went into the fact of how he wanted to leave. He was open about it, which we all knew. Um, but then he came to a point where he said, you know, I need to make the best out of the situation. Um, and that game against Strasbourg, right, where he was getting booed and, you know, he, him and Tiago also talking about, I couldn't believe it. Like, right. really, I couldn't believe the reaction. I was stunned when I was, on, when I was on the pitch. I couldn't believe what they were saying. I couldn't believe they were booing me every time I touched the ball. I was getting booed, but, you know, he also then went, you know, on to say, whenever people are rooting against me, you know, I believe in myself, I thrive in it, you know, I, exactly. I know I can do it. And then he ended up right scoring a bicycle kick. So yeah. a lot of interesting stuff, you know, listen, happy to have Neymar on my team. Um, you know, I do, I do agree that if Neymar had the same work ethic, right, as a Messi or a Ronaldo, like where he would be. I do believe that we'll probably never see Neymar truly reach his true potential, but that's scary in itself, right? Like how good he is, how much he's done. um, And, you know, he doesn't take it fully seriously, right? It's like the same argument that I've had with people about Verratti, right? Verratti is so good, but he smokes cigarettes apparently, and (laughs) he goes to the club and, 
you know so it's like your team is so good you know you have players that are so good and then you have individuals like you know him and marco who just don't fully take it seriously and but when he is in the zone when he is turned on i mean he's a world beater bro he is you know he, he can't be touched he's unplayable essentially you know so no but i'm glad that you enjoyed it i'm glad that you had a chance to watch it um you know would love to you know if, if you're listening or you're tuned in um you know be sure to you know at psg talk or at 24th and park and give us your thoughts on the documentary you know give us a, you know your take on things you like things you didn't like right what did what didn't you know about neymar that you learned um or what maybe did you have a misconception of and, and that's one thing i think he hopes comes out of this and you know people that are his friends and do know him is that people maybe look at him in a slightly different lens you don't have to love him but at least understand where he's coming from in a sense you know kind of misunderstood at times yeah and 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 that's and that's the thing i think this this documentary was 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 sort of made to to sort of humanize him a little bit to show that he is a human he has a child and he has like he he went he just pulled up to his to his um his child's mother's crib they're not together but they still have that relationship that's something i see with my homies and people that i'm around that's normal regular regular stuff but you know you just don't think of things on that on that uh on that level when with such a a global superstar and and yeah i think it was fascinating and just to i just wanted to touch on, on on the point about his dad again uh really quick I think it's interesting because Neymar's thoughts of his dad is that, you know, just like any son who wants that freedom, it's like, yo, you you blocking my 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 whole thing I'm trying to do over here, not knowing that thing is what's protecting you. And I think that's the point that his dad was trying to express the whole time is maybe if you did stick around me, that rape allegation, maybe it wouldn't have happened, right? And and he also mentioned about whenever he wanted to go back to Barcelona, he was like, no, you can't go back to Barcelona because you chose this. You took the risk and wanted to leave Barcelona in the first place to come to PSG. You got to ride this out. You got to ride this storm out. They, yeah, they booing you and stuff, but you got to. So it's it's that fatherly figure in his life that, you know, is very important to him. And he's literally protecting him from everything. This man literally built a company dedicated to protecting this man's image and brand and i think that's fascinating within itself so it was an interesting dynamic um with with him and his father and just that being the underlying story uh throughout the whole way and then also the whole kobe thing i feel like there was a you know i was gonna mention that yeah that that was i felt i feel like they from what it seemed like they filmed that uh whenever he's sitting on the bed with the kobe jersey i think they filmed that on the day of kobe's memorial and uh, at least that's what it seemed like to me. And just like that underlying theme of what he was saying was when, after he found out about Kobe, there was a switch. And then they talked about how he went into like beast mode during COVID when they everybody had to go back home. And he came, Tiago Silva said he came back looking scary. Like they was like, we don't even recognize who this guy, like what's he been doing? And then that was when we went on that run uh, to the Champions League final. And that's when Neymar was playing at a different level. Didn't score the goals that we wanted at the end, but you can see that was peak Neymar. So yeah, it was it's fascinating, man. I, I think anybody who, who's a, a a true football fan, no matter how you feel about Neymar, you're gonna enjoy this doc just from a very um you know fan level of of the game. You know we all love this game, and yeah, we I'm all I'm always down for for football documentaries, except especially when it's a, a you know a gangster player like Neymar. Yeah, for sure. You know and um. 
I have the quote here actually in front of me, but you, you hit it, you know, um, the nail on the head. Basically, he said he had just been in Paris and we had just done a shoot together. To me, that shoot was one of the best moments that I had with someone who was an idol to me, an icon, a legend. He wasn't just another guy. He was like he wasn't like anyone else. He left a true legacy. It was such an awful moment. Sometimes it's hard for me to talk about things like my behavior and address that. I get embarrassed about it. But everything changed that day. So, yeah. you know, he felt like, you know what, I need to leave my own legacy. And, he, yeah. you know, like you said, right, he worked hard to come back from that injury. Um, he essentially was like, you know, I'm not going to apologize for my behavior. And I love in the documentary where he says, oh, you don't like me? You don't like my behavior? I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't care if you like me or not. Like, exactly. And then one of the best things was like when he scored the the PK right in the in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, I, see, I, I love that shit. Right. Like, yeah. like, like talking your shit, bro. Like and he was like. Because they had given him shit. Oh, he doesn't love Brazil. He's selfish. He doesn't care about the team. And then he plays phenomenal in the Olympics. He wins Brazil, their first gold medal, hits a clutch PK. And the reporter asks him, you know, how he's feeling. And he's like, I guess you guys have to just deal with me now. Deal with me. Yeah. Yeah, deal with me, dog. That's it. Like, deal with my antics because when it's time to come on the pitch, I'm ready. And that's one thing I'll say about Neymar, man. Like, hate him or love him. Obviously, yes, players have, you know, ups and downs in form. But... When he's on it, whether he was out partying the night before or whatever it is, mm-hmm. he shows up. Yeah, for sure. You know, he shows up, and and, th- and that's all that matters at the end of the day. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. Another yeah, documentary that's really good, if you haven't checked it out, is the Maradona one on HBO. Also yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Perfect. All right. So moving along, um, we did have a game this past weekend, PSG versus Reims, PSG 4, Reims 0. You know, lethargic first half, as we've said in the past, right? More of the same. Uh, Some key takeaways. Ramos got his first goal. Messi returns for a few minutes. Nice to see him on the pitch. Verratti scores twice. Um, (laughs) I hope he goes and plays the the lotto. And and then there was a a change, right? There's a change in the second half. Yeah. You know, I want to touch a little bit on the, the youth players, but, you know, just kind of getting your initial take on just... The performance you saw, um, key takeaways, negatives, positives. Just uh, let me let me know what you think. Yeah, uh, honestly, I I I enjoyed that game. That was one of the first PSG matches where I I actually enjoyed watching it, particularly after like the first the first half because the first first half was a dud, and that's kind of been the trend with 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 this Pochettino side, and they were just like, man, like. Even with the turn of the calendar, like even with the break, they're still playing the same unidentified football the, the with the, with the lack of sense of urgency and all that stuff. But something switched in the second half um, and and they they started pushing in. they start and obviously Mbappe was was one of the more the, the one of the architects in that, as well as Marco Verratti playing so high up the pitch. Um, I thought that really changed the dynamic of, of of the match, and they started pressing more, and they started pressing and going and going forward. And for me, the my key takeaway is actually Mauro Icardi. I know how people feel about Mauro, and however you feel about him, feel how you feel. Him being in the lineup opens up so much for Mbappe, but also Mbappe doesn't seem to 
want to pass him the ball at times. And I, I'm noticing there's a little thing between them two where. You get hot, boy. Dog. Mara yeah. be getting hot. You and, seen it. He be throwing his hands up. Like, dog. my man, come on, dog. And you can see when he doesn't want to run. You can see there's space open for Mara Cardi to take to make a run, and he won't make it. And I, and I feel him because it's like, yo, when I do make the run, you don't pass me the ball. So I'm not about to do it now. But I, but I also think Mara Cardi being that that point of reference as that as that true nine is who opened up most of those scoring opportunities. You look at uh, Verratti's first goal, yeah, Accardi, you know, he he the the his shot got blocked, but him occupying that space when the ball was free, Verratti took the chance and, and he scored it. But I think what he's been able to bring during Messi's absence, during Neymar's absence, and we've been seeing who's been who's been uh, taking or getting most of the credit has been Mbappe, but I think it's also because Ocardi has been occupying that space and giving him and Di Maria's space to, to, to do what they do in the wings. Uh, I thought Danilo played great. Um, he, he came, but he came in, he was solid. He got a goal, uh, which is always good to see for, for like a work, you know, a workhorse like him and always good to see him rewarded for a goal. Um, and, um, yeah, and seeing Marco Verratti score, man, is just kind of one of those things. Like you said, you got to play the lottery when you see that because that's something that rarely ever happens. And he always talks about it. His mentality is pass first. So, But just from a team standpoint, I thought um, it was good to see Ramos. You know, he played solid. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was good to see us play fluid football, especially when Messi came on. Right away, he 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 brought he brought in some energy and, and and a different dynamic to the team. So it was the first match that I actually really enjoyed to watch, just from a just from a spectator standpoint, because this it's really been kind of depressing, even though we've been winning some of the games. But it's, it's it hasn't been really fun to watch that many PSG games this season. But this is one of those where it's like, all right, they handle their business and we move on, and everything from this point forward is just preparation for for Real Madrid. Yeah, I don't really have, you know, too much else. I think the Accardi thing's interesting, right? Because if Mbappe or not Mbappe, sorry, if Ney's healthy, we yeah. unless unless Poch has the balls to not play, you know, one of them, um, you're gonna lose either Mauro or Di Maria, right? You're, yeah. Whether whether it's the right formation or not, you can't have a player like Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar and at least not start them. You can change. We've seen Poch take one of them off to put a Cardi on with time left, but PSG will always start the game with those three. The only way that I could see us playing them all is if Poch was to go with like a 4-4-2, like Tuchel yeah. used to play, and, you know, playing a dual strike partnership up top, you know, Mbappe and Icardi with, you know, Messi and Ney on the wings, but it still wouldn't work, I don't think, because... I don't think Messi makes sense on the wings. I just don't think no. he has that pace anymore. Yeah. But, you know, Icardi can play poorly, but the bottom line is that he he occupies space, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what's important. Um, so I've always said that I think PSG need um, to play Icardi more. While I don't think that he's the ideal fit, I would. there are other strikers I think would add more that don't, you know, aren't a detriment to the counterattack. I just think <laughs> you need a number nine to occupy that space to, mm-hmm. you know, I think Mbappe is better on the wing. Mm-hmm. There's been this 
like push. I don't know if it's from him or who it's from uh, to make, you know, Mbappe a, a number nine. Maybe that's where he wants to go in his career. So he feels like, you know, he should play that here. That way he can go to Madrid and play that. I'm not sure, but I think he's utilized at his best and peak, you know, on the wing. Yeah. The midfield played well. You know, I think you're going to have a lot of folks who are on the fence about this game. They're going to see the first 44 minutes until Marco scored and say, hey, it was more the same. And I do agree. There have been a lot of games that aren't enjoyable to watch. And it's just like lethargic play and mm-hmm. nothing impressive. And to be honest, I do think it was more the same. And this is kind of like, a, you know, um, what's the, the saying? Um, not he said, she said, but... Basically, the, you know, a situation where it's like, okay, well, if, if Morrow doesn't score or get a lucky bounce, then we're in the same spot. Yeah, I, I do believe that's true. I do believe Morrow scoring that first goal definitely threw a wrench in, in Reem's plans. And, you know, the coach had to come up and press up a little bit. We yeah. did get two lucky bounces. But while it wasn't the best performance, it was nice to see them put four goals, you know, in the net. And I do think that this was better than things in the past. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't yeah. the sexiest win. But there were improvements made, right? I think Ramos was a steady ship in the back. I, I love the partnership between him and Marquinhos. Yeah. I think that's something I want to see more. Hopefully, you know, I think we have, what do we have coming up? Let me look at the league table and the upcoming matches that we have. So fixtures, what do we got? I know we have a cup match coming up, right? So we play Nice on Monday and then we play um, Lille. And then we play Rennes. So I believe the Nice match is a Coupe de France yeah. match. And then uh, Lille and Rennes are both league matches. I would assume a lot of youth players will play in that Coupe de France match. So we really have two more games. Um, I would love to see if Ramos can play a full 90 against Lille and then maybe play, you know, a half against, uh, you know, Rennes. Mm-hmm. But we'll see, you know, and I, I think outside of that, man, I think it was an overall good performance. Good to see... You know, Messi gets some minutes. Good to see Draxler get some minutes again um, and see him kind of shake off off the rust. And it's just prep time, right? That, that's all we're doing. This is this is maintenance. This is prep. Yeah. One thing I want to get your opinion on, and you know, I think I actually had a pretty strong opinion on this, was <laughs> when I logged into Twitter. You saw a lot of folks who, and and you may feel this way, right? So and feel free to to let me know. I want to get your opinion. A lot of folks were of the mindset of, oh. It's the 60th minute. We're up two, two nil or three nil, whatever it was at that time. Playing against a, you know, a team that's in the lower half, and we still have this midfield of Danilo and Herrera and whoever else we had on. And folks were pretty upset that we didn't bring on the youth players. And I'm kind of worried about that, right? So I feel like yeah. one, I think we're getting into a place now where some of the fan base expects to see. Javi and Michoud and you know these other people every game I don't think we should be in that spot personally now right. would I love to see them in as many games as possible yes but I think we also have to be realistic like I just mentioned right you have one cup match which they'll probably play in and then you have two league matches if those two league matches they don't get any minutes don't be surprised and the reason I said that on Twitter to some people is because you have two matches before Real Madrid. Javi and Michu are not playing against Real Madrid. They're exactly. 100% not starting, and they may not get, they may not see any minutes, right? So Posh has to get Herrera ramped up again. He has to get Draxler ramped up again. He has to get Danilo. He has to get Paredes, Verratti. You know, you have to give minutes 
leading up to a Champions League match to the players who are going to play. Exactly. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we, you know, these players have been getting a lot of minutes. So, you know, I personally disagree. Uh, I think there is a time and place for everything. Once the Real Madrid leg passes, or even after that first leg passes, you have three weeks, they can play that first game. But, you know, you have to have the folks who you know you're going to be able to count on and who you're going to call upon need to have, you know, um, some minutes under the legs and getting some of these folks like Draxler uh, back to 90 minutes or 60 minutes, you know, where he can give you what you need. But what was your take on some of just the youth players not playing and maybe some of the things you saw or heard on social media, you know, from fans about them not playing? Yeah, I, I, I take your position on it, right? Like, I, and I think that is the logical position. And I think if you don't take that position, you're you're not looking at this at a very grounded level. You're you're mad about something else, and you're choosing to to make that your point of argument because it, that's simply all it comes down to. Michu and Xavi Simmons are not going to play against Real Madrid, and that's just what it comes down to. So there's two factors to this. So. Pochettino is potentially trying to save his job, right? So if he's going to die on any hill, he's going to die with putting the players that with the experience on the pitch who he knows can do the job. Number two, if I'm Michu and Xavi, they've played, I think, consi- I know Xavi Simmons has consistently. I've seen him in at least four consist- consecutive matches. If I'm an academy player, I'm I'm stoked. I'm excited. Like, all right, I, I'm I'm in here. I'm playing with with these with the big names. I'm playing and I'm getting I'm getting important minutes. Right? They're not just only playing in cut matches. They're getting important minutes. So from the youth players' perspective, they they might not be getting the game time they want, but they're also not stupid and they live in reality. They know that hey, whatever minutes I'm gonna get, I'm gonna take it. So they're good. And from Pochettino's standpoint. His job is on the line, and like I said, if he's gonna die on any hill, he's not gonna die on the hill playing youth academy players. And then not let's not forget these are youth academy players. They haven't been promoted to the first team squad fully yet. They're still youth academy players, from my knowledge. So it's just like, yeah, this is this strictly comes down to to preparation for for Real Madrid and and building a cohesiveness and a chemistry for the guys who are going to be on the pitch. It's, it's, it's not, it's not that, that difficult to understand. But again, I, I think the people who might feel the type of weight about that is it comes down to how they feel about Poch, right? Like what is that argument based off of? Why is Pochettino not playing Xavi Simmons? Because you think Danilo's trash. Like you might think Danilo's trash, but y'all, I don't know if people see something else, but Danilo is a very important player when we defend in the low block. He's very important in that instance, and I really think he had a he had an excellent game, and he deserved that goal because for me it, it rewarded the work he did during that match. Players like Herrera, those are the guys that are going to get substituted on if Arati's on a yellow card or if Arati's hurt or Ganage is hurt or tired. Those are the guys that are going to come into the game and finish those matches off. So that's who Pochettino is going to play. I, I think it's very black and white. Uh, and again, if you see it otherwise, I think it's because you have a narrative or you're you're pissed at the whole Pochettino thing. But yeah, you got to step aside from that and just look at this from a very logical standpoint. You know, it's preparation for the big game. I think a lot of football fans, and this isn't exclusive to PSG, yeah. this is all fans in general. I think they think this is basically like playing a game of football manager. Right? Yeah, this is, this yeah. is easy and you just, you know, plug and play <laughs> and no disrespect to football manager. Football manager is a, is a dope game. I play it. 
if you are someone who likes the tactics and you know likes being the manager or thinks you can, highly recommend you try it out. Um, football manager, feel free to sponsor us. You know the PSG PSG talk. You know we appreciate it. But yeah, man, I think I, I agree, right? I think a lot of this has to do with the the ill will ill will towards Poch in regards to the lineups and and the way things are. Danilo is a funny story. I have you know I have roasted him at times, but I think. I do believe that he has a time and place where he is effective. Yeah. Um, I do think that he does add things. I think why people get on him is because he's not the most aesthetically pleasing player. Yeah, he's he doesn't look slow. He's a clumsy runner. Yeah, his passes aren't, you know, tech. He's not technically gifted, but he does a lot of the dirty work. And I think that's what PSG needs at times. They, they need individuals who are going to do the dirty work, who are going to do the running, who aren't going to complain, right? The Herrera's. Especially, like, especially when you have someone who everyone says they're not willing to track back. If you have a Neymar and Mbappe mm-hmm. and a Messi who you're saying these guys don't track back, you got to have dogs in the middle. Yeah. I mean, every team has it, right? You look at, obviously, like, I'm not going to say Angola Conte because he's, a, you know, World Cup winning, like, he's just a beast. But you look at teams like Liverpool, right? Like the James Milners and, yeah. you know, the Hendersons and stuff like that, like, Good teams have just workhorses in the middle that the fan base, they're the easy scapegoat, right? I see it a lot of times with Manchester United players with Fred. With Fred, And I yep. see a lot of Man U fans hating on Fred, but then you'll see some fans who are like, Fred's always a scapegoat. But whenever we play well and win, Fred's always an integral part. When we yep. don't play well, it's always, why is Fred getting minutes? Why is this person getting minutes? You know, so exactly. every team um, every team has it. But awesome, man. It was a good win. Um, not perfect. Not terrible. Uh, we'll take it. You know, just trying to work on things, build momentum, and uh, work our way. Hopefully, you know, we can win out before Real Madrid and, and build that confidence. You know, Messi gets back to 90 minutes. Ramos, you know, all the individuals. It sounds like Donnarumma injury isn't serious at all. Um, yeah. I think two days ago they were saying at that time that he was going to be back in 10 days. Mm-hmm. I saw um, Juan Aldum running again on the treadmill. So. The ankle must not be too bad. Um, I would expect to see him back before the Real Madrid game or maybe just about. And then most importantly, right, Neymar's back. Junior. Yeah. I'm going to start calling him Junior. They were <laughs> in the documentary. I'm not even calling yeah. him Neymar no more. It's Junior. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But he's he's back running, and, you know, him and his camp are confident that he'll be ready to go, you know, come come that Real Madrid. It'll, it'll be interesting if he gets any game time. It'll be really interesting to see if he gets in that game against Ren before, if he can get you know at least a half or 20 minutes because yeah. I don't know if I start him if he doesn't get any time. I think if you if Poch can't get him in, this is just my personal opinion. You know, remembering back to the Dortmund game and him not playing leading up to that one and how rusty he was. Yeah. If he's not 100% go, I think you play Di Maria. Yeah. Yeah, you know, absolutely. or or a cardio or whatever, you find a solution. But, um, you know, I think Di Maria has been getting minutes. He's been looking good. Um, and listen, right, like you, you get Di Maria on a good day. You know, he, he can do things that Nate does. Absolutely. You know, so um, he's a metronome. He's a game changer. So you have options. Don't don't force it. Don't put us at disadvantage by playing someone who's not ready. Uh, hopefully he is. But if he's not, make the smart choice and, and play the you know, play the team that makes the most sense and is going to give us the best chance to to walk out of there with a win. So, yeah. awesome. Now, 
as we like kind of wrap up here, transfer. We're in the middle of January, in the middle towards the end. We got about what three, four days left of the January transfer window. PSG hasn't been that active, but we have a couple key players and prospects and you know moving pieces that we can touch on. I guess the most obvious one to start with is going to be um, in Dombele. You know, apparently I heard it was almost a done deal two days ago. Then it was not close to being a done deal because while PSG was open to taking on his full salary, we weren't able to thin the squad at all, um, or at least not enough to make a difference because we would most likely be taking on his full salary. Yeah. Want to get your your opinion, your thoughts just on the player, the profile, and you know, do you think he makes sense to bring in? Are you happy with that addition? How do you feel about PSG taking on the full salary? And, you know, um, Spurs don't want a player swap, but if there was anyone in the midfield that you would, you know, um, kind of sacrifice first to get rid of to make space for Ndombele, who would that be? Yeah, I, I think for Ndombele, I think he's uh, he's an interesting player because he's a he is he, he gives me Pogba vibes in, a little bit in terms of how dynamic he is in his build and his stature. He's not really a defensive mid. He's more of an eight, and he can play an attacking mid. Uh, but let's not forget, before he went to Tottenham, he was like one of our number one targets. Like from a fan fan base, we all wanted Leon and Dembele. That that Dembele from Leon, we was like, yo, he would fit perfectly into our midfield with Verratti and and whoever else. And uh, I think. At this point, it's just a, a case of, of need. If, if PSG feel that we need uh, another player in that midfield role, if you're so you're saying that, i.e., Draxler, Paredes, Danilo aren't enough. I personally think that's not enough either. But is this the player that you're going to invest in now? Because we're also talking about adding Pogba possibly in 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 in, in the summer. So how's that going to work out? And I saw somewhere where where Paredes was. They said Paredes didn't want to leave. And I'm looking at him like, bro, you're not getting game time now. So if he comes, that's your game time he's taking. So which wouldn't like that? I don't think that makes sense. Like if I'm him, like I want to go play somewhere. But I get it. He wants to be with the gang gang and Messi and Di Maria and the Argentinian clan is there. But like. If Nobele comes, he's probably going to take Paredes' minutes. And for Paredes not not wanting to be included in that swap is kind of wild to me because it's just like, if he comes, that's your minutes that's gone. But, hey, whatever. Um, but I do think that he would be a, a, a great addition to the team. I'm interested to see how just his style would fit with our midfield. And that's just kind of the unknown because, you know, it's – yeah, it's it, everything with PSG right now is sort of just in that gray area and that unknown. But if if he's the only one that we're we're targeting right now and we're talking about taking on his salary, like I don't think that's it's a bad move because it's the only move that seems like us. Like you said, we got like what a couple more days left in the in the transfer window. So if he's the only move we make, then yeah, just take that salary on. It's not that big of a hit in my personal opinion. Uh, so yeah, I I would welcome it because I think he is a fascinating player who has the potential to get better. I don't think he's even reached his peak. Uh, he's had, you know, issues with, with coaching changes at Tottenham. He hasn't really found his footing and Conte really is not playing him right now. So yeah, he, he would love to come back to, uh, to Paris, uh, to France and play. But the only thing I would have any hesitation on is the implications, right? Is, is it just alone? 
Is it a, a loan to buy option, right? Like, because if it's to it buy, that option. it has an option. Okay, so that and it's not that an also. Though. Okay, okay. Well, but but still, it's just like I'm pretty sure if he comes here and enjoys it, he's gonna want to stay. And then if he comes here and does well, we're gonna want him to stay. And what does that mean for our other targets that we have for the summer? So it's, it's a lot of stuff that PSG have to have to consider. But I think if if we're if we're thinking short term, we're in a win now situation. Yeah, go for it. And again, from finding from a, from a financial standpoint, if it's about taking on his salary, it's not like you've made any other moves this summer. I mean, uh, this this transfer window. So yeah, that if that's the one thing to do, then yeah, go for it. Yeah, according to Fabrizio, because obviously waking up this morning, this deal was seemed like it was dying or on yeah. his last leg. But to end the night tonight, Fabrizio, one of his last tweets, uh, Tottenham have been very clear with PSG on an Ndombele deal. No swap, uh, no player swaps. Club is in advanced talks, or clubs now are in advanced talks over a loan move. Spurs want 100% of salary paid. Um Talks have intensified. All parties confident to reach an agreement soon. Not done or completed yet, but very close. So this yeah. seems like it will be completed, at least unless something is a dramatic turn, which I guess there was from yesterday. It's starting to sound like this will be done before the weekend. Yeah. Before the weekend's over. Um, I'm yeah. hearing from Jules, you know, Julian Laurent's also that um, tomorrow's a key day. Clubs indeed moved closer, and optimism now has been um, beginning to grow. Uh, from both sides. So it seems like we do take on the salary and there will be an option to buy and and it won't be guaranteed. So I think the the key part is this, is Poch, I believe, is a fan of Ndombele. I think that he went to Tottenham when Poch was there. So there's that connection with Poch. He obviously wants to come. He's French. Um, He's great friends with Mbappe. He's great friends with uh, Kimpembe. You know, I think I read that Mbappe and Kimpembe called him when they heard the rumor and were like telling him to come and begging him. So, you know, in the front office, you also add the speculation of, okay, you know, does Neymar, Messi, you know, he's French. We're bringing in someone that Mbappe wants. Mbappe has approved this. You know, what impact does that have if things do go well this season, right? Does it, does it, maybe not a, a game changer, but you know, is it a plus, right? It's an ad, right. right? To have him here. And then maybe he says, yeah, I just got here, you know, stay, like do one more year, do two more seasons, like whatever it may be. Right. Um, but worst case scenario, you take him on. If it doesn't work, right, you send him back. Yeah. You send him back and then you you focus your efforts on Pogba. The big question would be if Poch does leave, like we all expect him to this summer and he's a Poch guy, what does Zidane say, right? I'm sure if Zidane truly is coming, which that seems to be, you know, the way the um, the momentum is moving, just from what reports say, Zidane will be watching these matches and, and seeing, you know, what he thinks. And in regards to the folks that don't want to leave, you know, I do agree, right? It's the, it's the posh club in Paris paying the most money. I think yeah. one thing I realized about a lot of players is like a lot of like South American players don't have interest in playing in, in England. Like it's just yeah. not a thing, right? It's like you want yeah. to come to La Liga first or... You have a lot of them um, in Liga, but I forgot who I, who you know tweeted this or who the source was, so I won't say because I don't want to get it wrong. But it was a reliable source that said Paredes, Herrera, Gay, Danilo, and Genie Wijnaldum don't plan on leaving. Right? Yeah. You know, there was reports earlier that Genie potentially wanted to go back to England. Okay, now he doesn't. Now he's talking about he wants to fight for his place. 
Yeah. And side note on Genie, sucks that he got hurt because that game that he got hurt and I think was the best game he's played. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? That's crazy. And I feel like right. this always happens to PSG, bro. Yeah. Like whenever yeah. someone's catching form, they get hurt. So I feel bad for him. And hopefully when he comes back, um, I want to see him do well. So hopefully yeah. he can um, he can add some value. Herrera also, I've heard, doesn't want to leave. Ironically enough, apparently um, with the Bruno Guimaraes from yeah. Lyon, the midfielder yeah. who is potentially getting ready to exit and rumors are that he's going to go to England. There were rumors today by Get French Football News, and I think even PSG um, Hub tweeted it, that Lyon had interest in Herrera. They liked his profile. They wanted to bring him in. And then he reposted a story and said fake news on his Instagram. <laughs> so he killed that, right? Yeah. So Paredes has been in, tr- in transfer rumors since he got here, yeah. and he won't go. So... It's tough, man. It's a tough gig. Um, again, we've said it right. Leonardo's the one glaring weakness in his ability to be a sporting director is his inability to sell. To sell. His inability yeah. to negotiate. And players come here on these large salaries, and we're just stuck with them. Um, it's unfortunate, but but that's where we are. So you either wait the salaries out, or you convince them, right, to to go get game time. Um, I'm not really sure, but yeah, it doesn't seem like anyone's leaving. One, I want, um, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about, I don't know if this is something new or it's always been like this, like players are saying that they don't want to leave. Like, since when have they had that leverage? I feel like if the sporting director says that, okay, this makes sense for us, this is what we're going to do. Is that not always been the case? Like, am I missing no, something? I think, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was, I don't know when I fully caught on. Like, maybe I just wasn't paying attention to transfers like years ago, but um, the last couple of years, it's definitely been more vocal. And yeah, unlike American sports where it's the luxury, I won't say the luxury, right? Because I see both sides, right? right like right. it's got to suck, bro, to like be playing for the Lakers and wake up and see a text and find out that you got traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? And you got to pick up your whole family and move to Ohio or, you know, you're playing for the Yankees and to find out you're going to play for, um, I don't know, what team is not great right now. I don't want to. I don't want to offend anybody, right? So I'm just gonna throw a team out there, <laughs> like the, the the Royals, right, or the Rockies, or something like. So yeah. um, somewhere you just don't want to be. Um, whereas in in football, right, European football, uh, South American football, it seems that in order for a deal to go through, the player has to put his stamp of approval on it. Um, you know, talk to the manager, be sold on it, want to move to that place, and yeah, there's that that player power in in soccer, man. So. It's unfortunate. I think PSG is the one team that probably uh, gets hit the hardest, you know, yeah. with it because, you know, you, you just can't get people off your books. And then also because of the fees that we pay people when individuals leave. And the you know, life. Last person. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's the, like I said, it's the posh life, right? You're, you're playing with Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. Like, who's like, oh, you know, I'm rushing to go to uh, to London to play with, uh, with Tottenham. You know, yes, right. listen. I like Tottenham. They're a good team. But, yes, Harry, Harry Kane is great, but the star power of the players you play with is different, right? When exactly. You only have one career. Maybe a player like Herrera is already in the twilight of his career where he only has a couple of years left. He's like, yo, I'm going to chill here, eat you know, baguettes and croissants and chill with Messi and Neymar and you know, go to Neymar's birthday party and chill with Mbappe. So it's just different. Um, 
I don't agree with it. I think that rule needs to be revised, but to, to benefit both parties where, right. you know, if a certain amount is hit, then, you know, if just, I don't know, a way to structure the deal where, hey, like, listen, in their contract, you say, you know, if, if a team from this league, like, yes, if you don't want to go to Germany or you don't want to go to the Portuguese league or whatever it may be, right, and you want to fight back against that, but maybe right. saying, you, you have to include one league here that if a team comes to you and they're in the top half of this league, like a team like Tottenham, right? They're eligible for European football. Then you have to be open for, exactly. for a move or, or something just to benefit so that, you know, teams like PSG and other teams, I'm sure it happens to in, in England and Spain. You yeah. just don't get stuck with dead wood on the wage bill, right? That you can't exactly. get rid of, unfortunately. So, um, but yeah, it, it definitely sucks. One thing on the flip side of this, Right is I was reading that the newly promoted team in Syria, um, Valencia, actually made an approach for Colin Dagba, and I was confused because then I read a report that they made a bid for him to take him on loan, and PSG apparently rejected the bid. Really? Yeah, that's what I read. So PSG, bingo. I was confused. So I I was going to get your take. Like, do we think it's Leo playing hardball, which he shouldn't, because this is not a, this is not a strength of his, right? This is not a strength. Don't don't overstep your boundaries. Or, you know, I was thinking about, okay, we have Hakimi. You know, do they think that they need Dagba for depth? Like, if Hakimi gets hurt and Dagba's gone, who's next up in line? If we do make a run, right? Pembele, he's on loan, he's not there. So, you know, you have Juan Bernat and you have. Um, it's Tilo. It's got to be Tilo. On the left. Oh, yeah, that, that is true. It's got to be yeah. Tilo. So I, I wonder. I wonder if Posh doesn't, you know, have the faith in Tilo or if he's just like, you know, maybe the way they want to play. Um, he feel like like he's going to need, um, you know, Dagba there. But definitely found that interesting. That was on PSG Talk. And, and I think get French football news. I could be wrong on the last source, but I definitely know I saw it on uh, PSG Hub. Shout out to them for always providing the, the sources and the info on PSG. But yeah. I was definitely interested in that. And then the one that did go through, apparently, uh, Byron Leverkusen, um, Eric Dina Abimbe, he's going to extend his contract first, and then he's going to go out on loan to the German club with an option to buy as well. So nice. that's really the only business we've done. Um, again, I read, I read somewhere there was a Kurzawa to Chelsea. I don't know how, if that had any smoke. But I'm like, pretty sure I'm, Chelsea came out like eight, like the next day and like dead at that. <laughs> I was like, came out and we're like, we're not interested in Kurzawa. I'm like, bro, if that's true, because I would, I heard he wants to stay at PSG too. I'm like, bro, you better jump at that because you're not gonna get another team at that level one. You so yeah, that I saw that somewhere. I didn't know if that had any steam. Uh, but it, as far as as far as that that Dagba one, I think it's interesting because I do think the better option there is Tilo Care. I, I feel like I feel like uh, if you watched the last what two three matches, Tilo has started on that on that right on that right well. side. Yeah, he's played well. He scored what two goals there. So and he, and even when he's uh, with the German side, he pl- he plays like right wing back. So and I think from a defensive aspect, I think Tilo brings more. He he de- he's definitely not what Colin uh, provides in terms of explosiveness going forward. But I think Tilo is is a good balance for a defensive help, especially with how poor we've been in transitional defense. I think Tilo Carrer would be the better option there. So again, that further confuses me why they weren't they wouldn't let you know uh, Dagba go. But it's probably something else to that. 
Yeah, so we'll see. Um, the last transfer thing I have, very interesting. Um, this will definitely divide opinion. So I want to. I wish James was here for this one, but uh, <laughs> today I read this was from Fabrizio. Um, oh, never mind. This is not from Fabrizio. This was from who wrote this? Let's see. Okay, this is from Louis F. Rojo. It was retweeted by PSG Hub. Um, I did see it on another source as well. Is that Barcelona have made it clear with Dembele? Um, was very clear with him that you know he, his choices are to accept the current terms or find a new solution. So he has begun looking for an option on the market to leave, and PSG are well positioned and apparently have made contact with his entourage to see what that kind of operation would been, be like to bring Usman Dembele to the park. Um, again, right? Divide opinion. So I want to see what, what what you say. I think I have a unique take on Dembele. I actually like Dembele. I just f- feel that he's unfortunately be been marred by injury. Um, yeah. Again, that doesn't mean that I love the idea of him coming to the park because I have concerns of if he can stay healthy. But I do believe he's someone that with the right coach in the right system, I don't know if he fits that tiki-taka style. You know, if you look at him with France, he plays very direct. Um, He's an interesting player, which if you have the right situation to get the most out of him, left foot, right foot, technical ability, whether they maybe think Mbappe is going to leave, also one of Mbappe's best friends, um, maybe they see him as an option to replace. I also read today that PSG have made contacts with Raiola or whoever, maybe that's not his manager or his agent, but for Marcus Rashford, I personally think that I would rather have Dembele than Rashford. That's just me. Um, Rashford also looks like he's ready to lead Manchester United. It's just not what it was for him. Uh, I think he's going through some shit off the pitch as well. So I guess what are your take on both those players? Again, I don't know how far advanced either of these are, but just from a rumor perspective, you know, do you have a preference or, you know, are you kind of I'm all set on both of these guys? Yeah, that's an interesting one because I I like Rashford more. I think he plays in the middle better um, than he does in the wing, in my opinion. Uh, but I I think that the Dembele one is interesting because he's such a great player. He's such a fascinating player to watch. But obviously the injuries is is the thing. So it's all right. Looking at PSG's roster outside of Di Maria and Mbappe. We don't really have that many wingers, like true wingers that you can put on the, on a, on a specific side and say just go kill from that side. Mbappe does it on the left. Di Maria does it on the right. Obviously, Neymar can play whatever wherever, and Messi can play wherever. So I think from that perspective, that Nembele would be a good player to bring on just to add depth. But I don't know about being a starter in this current team. And, and that's the part where it's just like, if I'm him, why would I, you know, obviously if Barcelona is giving him the, the sort of the stipulations, like either take this or leave, then you got to do what you got to do. But if I'm him, like, well, I don't know if I would come here if I don't have a surefied like starting position, because I, I can see him being a good player that we can add like once a D because Di Maria is, you know, his time is coming soon and Dembele would be a good replacement for that. But if we're talking about replacing Dembele for the the, uh, the 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 space that the vacancy that Mbappe can possibly leave, then no, then you're you're set you're playing yourself because number one, 
the the productivity is not going to be the same. And then number two, the actually this might be the number one, the most important thing. The guy just cannot stay healthy, and whether that's just bad luck or whatever is something he does, I don't know. But he just cannot stay healthy. But when he is healthy, he's a very dynamic player and a very you know excellent winger. And I go back to P. If you look at PSG's roster. Outside of and Sarabia is gone now. Who else is an actual winger outside of Mbappe and Di Maria? And there is none. So when those guys aren't there, you bring on a Draxler. You can put him on the wing, but he's not going to do winger things. You can bring on Xavi Simmons. I think they started Xavi Simmons on the right wing one game, but he's not going to do winger stuff. So I think from a depth perspective, Nembele would be a great choice. But in terms of just long term, I, I don't know about that. Um, and then just as far as Rashford, I, I don't I, can't, I don't see Rashford playing outside of England. I just don't. The same thing you said about the South South American players not wanting to go to the Premier League. A lot of English players hate playing outside of the Premier League. So I don't know if I would see that one happen. Uh, but if I had to choose between the two, I would definitely take Nabelli. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I think. So Dembele currently makes about 200 to 230 euros a week, I think, or I don't know what, um, you know, what currency um, they're using, but it's somewhere around there. And from what I heard is the reason that, you know, he has this fallout with Barcelona, as you can see, they tried to, he posted a thing about, you know, not being blackmailed and how Barcelona was putting out all this info about him and what he was demanding. But reports, again, I don't know the validity to, the, validity to this, but reports are saying that he was looking for something like 500 or 600K a week. So he was hmm. looking to more than double his his weekly wages. And I do remember that, you know, people in his camp and his agent had come out and said something about like, oh, like he's when he's on form and he's healthy, he's a Ballon d'Or, you know, candidate, and he should be paid as such. And uh, I was like, I don't know about all that. I was that. like, I get, I get the talent. I'll be honest, right? And this, this is a hot take. Just from what I've seen, it's a hot take, but it's really not because I would take Mbappe over Dembele any day of the week. That's really because I haven't seen enough. But when they were younger at Dortmund and other places, the t- Technically, Dembele is better than Mbappe. He's left foot, right foot, ability to use both feet, um, dribbling is better. I just think that Mbappe is more consistent, which, again, consistency is the biggest right um, barometer right. of success in today's day and age. So, But right. if he was able to stay healthy and show me something, then maybe I'd say, okay, you know what? Maybe, maybe you're right, but you know, I'm, I'm on record on Twitter weeks ago, maybe even a month, two months ago, I was saying, um, listen, you're only as good as you know as your availability allows you to be. So I wouldn't yeah. pay him that much. So if him coming to PSG means that we're going to need to pay him that amount, I wouldn't do it. If we are able to get him and keep him on similar wages and be like, hey, listen, you know, show us something and then we'll we'll talk. Um, I'd see. The only concern I'd have about him is, you know, I've heard a lot of analysts and pundits talk about just, you know, how much is he committed to the game? You sure, know, does he sure. love the game of football? And you have individuals like that in every sport, but does he love the game of football or is he just naturally gifted and he kind of just does enough to get by? And then him moving back to, 
to France, where he's from, back to Paris, which I believe he's also from Paris as well. Friends, family, you know, getting into, you know, just things and being around people that he shouldn't be. You know, is he going to be focused? If there's a way to get him on a favorable deal, I think I'd be interested in getting him because I think it's a high-risk, high-reward. Yeah, right? I absolutely. Think especially if, if Mbappe is going to leave, there is a chance that he could take that next step. He's still young. I think he's still, what, 23? Yeah. Right? Something like that. So there is something interesting there, um, which I'd be interested to see. And when we speak about strikers, actually, you make a good point. Rashford is probably the – even though I don't think Rashford is, you know – a world beater. I don't think he's world class. I've, you know, argued this with Man U fans and people in England have said that he's world class and he's equally as good as Mbappe. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think they're right. on drugs. Like, he's not. Yeah, a, right. I get it. He scored a couple of goals at the. He scored a couple of, like, you know, clutch goals at the, at the park. I get it, but um, he's not on the same level or in the same stratosphere as Mbappe. But a player of his profile, player with pace, a player that can finish. Um, if you swap him out right now. For Icardi, Icardi, I yes. think that would be a that would be a better fit. I think he's not as good as a, as a finisher as Icardi is, but his profile and pace and the way he would fit in and not slow down the counter and actually play very well into that play style, I think that would be a, a great swap. That would be interesting, actually, offering yeah, an Icardi for Rashford swap deal. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah, I would call up Manchester United and be like, Hey, listen, Icardi, we're going to send you to one of the most prestigious clubs in England. Play with Ronaldo, play with you know whoever, um, and see. I don't think he'd bite on that. I think he'll only ever go back to Italy. Um, yeah. But I would at least, if I'm Leonardo, I'm, I'm at least probing to ask that question um, to see. And there's so. there's competition in United too because Cavani's still there, so that that that'll be something for him to consider. Yeah, awesome man. Well, that's pretty much it on my end. Um, you know, I don't. Is there anything that you've seen or heard? I don't know if you want to talk about Afcon a little bit. We got a couple of boys playing in, you know, the African Cup of Nations. My boy Hakimi um, scored two worldies, absolute worldies. We all saw Killian tweet that, uh, um, you know, Hakimi is the best right back in the world. Um, <laughs> I that tweet to my one of my good friends who is a diehard Liverpool fan, and he just responded and said, "Bro, I'm not even going to acknowledge this tweet." <laughs> um, obviously that, that trend trend is better and um you know a, a, a handful of other folks i think i've seen someone argue Cancelo and um you know even what's uh buddy that got hurt from chelsea uh reese reese james. james yeah yeah so there are a couple of names out there but um hakimi and, and morocco are playing well gay i haven't watched many of his games but uh, i believe actually that as it currently stands, they're on opposite sides, uh, Senegal and and Monaco. So they're on pa- on pace right now to play each other. In yeah, the they final. can they can meet in the final. Yeah, they can. Um, yeah, man, the Afcon Afcon has been interesting been this fun. year. It's been interesting. I, I have I've actually watched like almost every game. Um, unfortunately, my country Congo, we didn't make it this year, but. Uh, it's been it's been fun nonetheless to watch. It's been really interesting. There's a lot of underlying things that have uh, that I've noticed just from a just a journalistic standpoint in terms of just like the crowds not being as full as I would like them I, I would like to see, and that having to do with COVID and travel restrictions and the the, the high ticket prices 
for for people and things of that nature. There's a civil war going on in Cameroon right now. Um, so there's a lot of underlying things going on while the, the games are being played. I think like eight people like passed away like two days ago after a stampede after Cameroon won a match. So it's like off the pitch, it's been just very AFCON. This is so much AFCON. But on the pitch, it's been some great football plays. Um, I've seen some 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 players that I wasn't really familiar with. Uh, this guy, Vincent Abubakar, who's the striker for Cameroon, dude is a beast. I'm like, why isn't he playing for like a a bigger like a bigger club? He's like somewhere in like the second division of Turkey or something. Uh, and 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 then the refereeing has been trash. I don't know if you've seen where uh, the guy ended the game, like. <laughs> <laughs> like five minutes i'm like yo what this is this is this is the problem right here there's already like a stigma to afcon and the quality level and stuff like that just doesn't help trying to get over those type of things when we talk about african football because there's extremely talented players everywhere if you've been watching it uh but yeah it's been fun and i um my my favorites ivory coast they just went out uh so that that's who i had winning it but um i i think it's going to come down to Senegal. Uh, and, and they, I think through the group stages, they didn't give up one goal. And my guy, Abdul Diallo was back there and Ghana missed the game because of COVID, but no, he, no Messi. I mean, we have to activate stuff. Sorry. So, I was going to share, show you a clip. Uh, oh, no, you're good. Have Ed. Ed's going to have to edit that. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. But yeah, Ghana missed the game uh, due to COVID, but, He's been solid for Senegal. So I think just with the teams that are left, I think that Senegal is probably the strongest if you look at them uh, top to bottom. But, yeah, it's 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 been fun to watch uh, a lot of dark horses and, and teams that you wouldn't expect to get to the quarterfinals are there now. But, yeah, good to see Diallo, Ganagay, and uh, Hakimi, you know, get this far. And they've, they've all played in every match so far, and they've been integral in, in, in their team's wins. Yeah, for sure. I didn't even realize today that Argentina was playing. I just saw that Di Maria scored an absolute worldie yep. uh, with his left foot, you know, cutting yep. in on the left. So one thing, um, James isn't here, but I know me and you have spoken about it. So I'm going to play it. That's what I was finding just now yeah. is did you see the other day on Sky Sports when uh, Phil Neville and Jamie Carragher were talking about their team of the year and um, Jamie mentioned how Messi had DM'd him? I heard about that. I didn't see right, that. So, I have, so, I, so I, have, I have the clip. So the <laughs> clip, just to give some context for anyone that didn't see it, um, a yeah. couple, couple months back when the Messi and Ronaldo signings happened, Jamie Carragher was arguing with um, you know Phil Neville about who would be more effective, and Phil Neville was saying Ronaldo. And basically, Jamie was of the stance that the stance that you know. PSG this year isn't any better with Messi than they were without him. Same with Man United. He believes that they're on his or they're out of their prime. But the other day he was on the show and he addressed it and confirmed it. Uh, so it's a it's a funny clip. So I'll play it. I mean, we had that debate start of the season, didn't we? Ronaldo or Messi. I was I was the Messi man. He was Ronaldo. But unfortunately, even though he's uh, he's not happy with Messi, is it? No, he's not happy with me at all. Why? I, uh, I had a little pop at Ronaldo earlier this season. Didn't think it was a great signing for United. And then I, I said the example of Messi. I didn't think Messi's a great signer for PSG. And I've always really, you know, it was on Monday night football, wasn't it? Yeah, it was on Monday night football. And uh, I got a private message on uh, Instagram 
From the man himself. From the man himself. I, I, I will not be showing private messages, but he basically called me a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Dude said Messi called him, private DM'd him, and just called him a donkey, bro. No, is that real? He, he said, he was like, yo, he's like, I, it's a real video. That's not a clip. That's like, I actually watched that on Sky Sports. Like, that was on Sky Sports on live TV. I watched it. Um, and wow. they were in like codes. They were picking their team of the year. And he had, it stemmed from him saying that he didn't have Messi in his team of the year, um, yeah. you know, for various reasons. And he said it. He's like, yeah, he's like, you know, apparently he's not happy with me. And I received a private message from the man himself. And he's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to share what he said. He was like, but, you know, the gist of it is that he called me a donkey. He basically. called that man a jackass, essentially. <laughs> yep. That's basically Yo, what he did. So Messi peeps everything, Doug. Yeah, so the, and that's that's the, that's why it's so funny to me. That's why I'm like, is that real? Because I feel like we've never had heard Messi like come out of his character in that way. And then for for that to be relatively something small, I'm pretty sure other people have criticized him for worse things and said worse things. And I don't know if he's ever DM them, but I guess we'll see if other people have been getting DMs from Messi. <laughs> Apparently, he'd be yeah, watching. It, it just shows you right that like. This happens in all sports, but it shows you that these players listen to what exactly. is said. Um, they pay attention, or if they're not directly watching, it's someone that in their circle, their entourage, is saying them clips, and it ties back to the Neymar documentary. The entire yeah. documentary, there was just clips from ESPN, from Craig Burley to Jim Laron to um, you know he. I didn't hear him, but they should have clipped Stevie Nichol. Oh, um, yeah. Shaka Islop was in there. Then you have a bunch of people from Sky Sports and, and other platforms in the UK just talking. So like whether it was him or not, like these things, these sayings are getting back to him, right? Yeah. These players are, are making mental notes of, of who's saying what, um, you know, and, and you're not above them, you know, lashing back out to you, right? So these are grown men at the end of the day, right? So exactly. it's like, you know, you can talk about them however you want, criticize his move. Like you don't know this man. You don't know why he made this move. You don't know um, what he's doing. So um, no, but I, I wanted to end on that note. I thought that was a funny clip. I knew you guys would enjoy it. I laughed when I heard it. So <laughs> I, I, I feel like I feel like Messi has been watching Jamie Carragher's takes, and he has some pretty awful takes. If you watch Jamie Carragher talk about football, and that was probably the one that was like, all right, I gotta say something. Like I gotta let him know he's a jackass, like because he he taking yeah. it too far. <laughs> the one the one Jamie take that I I agree with was one of the most recent ones when you know we played against. Man City, they just asked him, you know, do you think this team can win the Champions League? And he said, no. He said, but the reason I feel that way is I just feel that it could be done years ago, but in today's game, you can't win the Champions League carrying three players, right? It's like if it was one player, you know, that's not tracking back. He was like, yes, they can score against anybody. He was like, but I feel like when you get to the the upper echelon of the competition. If you have three players up top and none of them are tracking back and you're consistently defending with seven um, against, you know, nine or whatever it may be that you're going to get outscored. He's like, so either some of them are going to have to track back, change their system. He's like, but from what he basically saw in that match, you know, he didn't feel, and I'll be honest, I feel the same way. You know, I just feel that the, the structure instead of the team currently isn't conducive to the ultimate goal of winning the Champions League. I'm very interested to see, you know, how this match goes against Real Madrid. I know we didn't talk about it a lot this match. I mean, it's this pod. We'll uh, probably save that for the next pod just because we're going over a little bit, but we're going to see, right? We're going to see a team that is playing well, 
that has you know high quality finishers and world class players. And we're going to see if, if the defense stands up or, you know, if the times that we've been cut open on the counter in league play and in the Champions League against clubs like Bruges and, you know, RB Leipzig, if, you know, that is our downfall, you know. Um, so it should be interesting. But on that note, um, I'm going to bring this to an end. It has been fantastic, guys, getting back to to hang out with you, Jay. Um, you know, this feels comfortable. It feels good to be back. We're just missing James, but he will be back. But it's good to come back and talk footy and just, you know, kind of put some content out for for our PSG fans. Um, as you guys always know, follow PSG Talk, follow 24th and Park, engage with us. Let us know what you like, what you dislike, what you want to hear. We appreciate the feedback. Um, but, you know, on that note, until next time, stay safe, stay well. Peace out. Peace out.